Welcome to the Magic Musicals and Theatre Podcast. My guest this week is a sort of legend of British theatre, television, everything really. Uh, her name is Anita Harris. Welcome to the Magic Musicals and Theatre Podcast. Anita Harris is my guest this week. I don't know where to start with you because... Your CV is so huge. Well, I see you have cake, so that's not I a bad have start, cake. I have cake. <laughs> on, Honoured guests get cake. Lovely. Uh, Thank you. you are about to tour in a production of Cabaret. Yes. That's brilliant fun. Yes. And we I are should... in the third day of rehearsal. Oh, so the nerves that. are kind of sort of, uh, well, there's a huge frisson in the room, but it's a, a very exciting time because this Cabaret has been performed in so many areas in the world with candor and air music. Um, but we're so lucky. We've got Rufus Norris directing and Tim Welton, who is uh, uh, with us in, in the rehearsal room at the moment. And it's, he's very kindly giving us a clean canvas so that mm. us new girls <laughs> and boys can... Um, we've got the... He's allowing us to find our own thing within that framework that is so solid, you know, from the show. So, See, I'm looking exciting. at you and I'm thinking you look like Sally Bowles to me. Oh, I know you're not playing. I left it a bit late. <laughs> well, I don't know that you have. I look at you and I think, well, actually, you could do that. Oh, that's very kind you could. of you, darling. But we're going to go back before we... will talk more about okay. Cabaret in a bit. Okay. We're going to go back because I didn't know all this stuff. I looked it all up about you and lots of stuff I didn't know. You were an ice skater to start with, mm -hmm. weren't you? As a kid in Bournemouth, yes. And then at Queen's Ice Rink in London. Uh, so you yeah, took I started, it pretty seriously. Uh, I started at the age of seven. Uh, my parents and my lovely big brothers, Philip and David, uh, were all in Bristol. And I was born in Midsummer and Norton in Zomerzette. Right. <laughs> where the cider Very apples lovely. grow, yes. <laughs> and then we all moved to Bournemouth when I was seven. And the three of us, uh, uh, my brothers and I, we took to the skating. We just loved it immediately. There was a, just a small little Westover ice rink there, you know. Um, and then it, it suddenly kind of took over um, even my schooling, <laughs> uh, which uh, is in my report. So, oh, <laughs> Can <is> do better, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Could do better if did less yes, ice skating. Yes, mm. however. Um, anyway, the ice skating had to stop because you went off to Vegas. Mm -hmm. So how did that happen? Um, Queen's Ice Rink again, two weeks before my 16th birthday. Our talent scout came into the rink and spoke to Harry Lauder, who was the uh, manager of Queen's Ice Rink, who knew my parents, obviously, and knew me, and uh, said, we're looking for a girl um, to go to Vegas. And I auditioned. I went to um, the, what became the New London Theatre, um, and in my little skating outfit. <laughs> it's all so naive and sweet at the time. Uh, anyway, I I was offered the job. And of course, parents, mum and dad were in a, a huge whirl of decision-making. Mm. and Because uh, you were not quite 16. No, and also they, they obviously learned that I'd be heavily chaperoned and all of that would be looked after. Uh, but they wanted me to go to further education and do all those things. And anyway, bless their hearts and thank you, thank them. Uh, they let me go. And Amy MacDonald was the, one of the other girls in the in the group. So we went for three months. Uh, I was just a chorus girl dancing in a line. Mm. 
And uh, we stayed for six months, and it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. For anybody that has been to Vegas in the last 20 years, mm-hmm. uh, it's just a glorified bubble of lights and entertainment. And uh, But then it really was just a desert with... Uh, the strip, which uh, we didn't strip, the strip, no, no, which no, is no. The, the, Vegas strip. The, the huge highway that goes to beyond infinity. And there were just about uh, 10 hotels that were turned into casinos, into theaters. And we were at the El Rancho Theater, uh, El Rancho Hotel, um, with the star of our show was a, a gentleman called Joe E. Lewis, who was the, a huge American comedian at the time. Uh, and it was like being at the, not the birth of something, but the beginning of a, a bubble that was happening, you know. Um, and opposite us, uh, across the strip was the Sahara, uh, and Mae West was appearing there. Um, a little bit further up the strip was Louis Prima, um, Louis Prima and Keely Smith, where I heard my first jazz uh, then Victor Moan at the Dunes, a bit further up. And then, um, at the time, at the Desert Inn, was Blue Eyes himself. I was going to say, yeah. was it not, um, yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, Frank Sinatra? Um, it, did you go and see him? Well, we had a, we did three shows a night. So we started at 7.30, finished at 4 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Then when some of 16. us would... Yeah, exactly. Don't that's think that a, would be legal now. Uh, <laughs> certainly an initiation <laughs> period getting the fishnets pulled up for the first time, etc. Um, and uh, then we'd, some of us would go on what they called a breakfast ride. And that, uh, even now to this day, I can see, visualize how we'd start a, a horse riding on um, uh, in the dark. And then the, the whole of the desert would be bright red. And then as the sun came up, you know, you just saw the little bit of snow on the cacti and on the hills. And, it, you know, you just th- look back and you think, how glorious. And now to get to the desert, you want to drive for a good hour. Mm-hmm. But we were actually in it, you know. Uh, so, yes, we had um, a, a night off every 12 nights. And because everybody else did three shows a night we were able to go and see three shows on our night off. And one night, I was, my chaperone took me to see young Frank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it was only like a two minutes out of my life. We were uh, sitting there um, fairly at the front, uh, the curtains open, the orchestra, and it was an orchestra in those days, started and then these blue eyes came at me. Uh, and of course, he was just wonderful um but then taken backstage and i had these magical couple of minutes of of frank sonata saying oh you're going to come into the business you know and uh, good luck young lady and oh it was just he was nice and encouraging and had a bit of time and yeah just you never forget it what a no well no you wouldn't but that what a fun what an incredible extraordinary start to your career really yeah so you didn't start singing much until you came back to england is that right um i tried over there (laughs) but uh, did a couple of auditions and things but no came back and auditioned for cliff adams and joined the cliff adams singers and you your first hit was a song that Dusty Springfield suggested for you. Is that right. right? Um, I then uh, came out of the... Uh, by the way, one of the uh, Cliff Adams singers was a young man called Jerry Dorsey, mm. who became Engelbert. 
Uh, yes, absolutely. So bless his heart. Um, and uh, came out of that, met a gentleman called Mike Margolis, who is still my lovely husband. Um, but uh, he met, he said, you need a manager. <laughs> and found me songs um, of the, it was the Burt Bacharach era, the early 60s, mm. you know, and mid-60s. And uh, I was singing Trains and Boats and Planes on Top of the Pops one day. And dear uh, Dusty was on the same show doing, You don't have to say you love me, just be close at hand. And she came across after my rehearsal. And she said, Anita, you and your Mike have to meet my brother Tom because I think he's got a song for you. And that was like a gift that, again... You never forget. No, it that's so generous. Yes, yeah, exactly. What that. a fellow yeah. artist. She she knew it was a good song. She could have sung it for herself, you know. Mm. And uh, so she gifted that. And I, when I do go out and do my shows, I always say thank you, Dusty. Yeah, yeah. that's a fantastic gift. And then now, carry on, Doctor. We went into the, a couple of Carry On films. We did, that, yeah. <laughs> how was that? And you worked with Frankie Howard and people. How was all that? Well, it's because of Frankie Howard that I got into the uh, the Carry On films because we were doing a a review at the uh, Prince of Wales Theatre in London, mm-hmm. and uh, being a review, uh, he was doing his com- comic work and I was doing my singing and dancing, and then we got together for some sketches. And oh, such fun. Um, and one night, the um, producer, Peter Rogers, and Gerald Thomas, the director of the carry-ons, came in to talk to Frankie about his next carry-on f- film. And uh, after the show, I found them in my dressing room, and they said, would you like to be in a carry-on film? Or what would you have you said? You said, yeah. Right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was, that was how it was. And little did I know that the first... It was carry on, follow that camel with Phil Silvers and and that incredible team of players um, with Kenneth mm, Williams mm. and Sid James and dear Barbara. And was Kenneth Williams frightening? At first, yes, because mm. I was only just sort of 20-something and a, a bit naive still and and also nervous because uh, I, I overheard, um, you know, what's a pop singer coming into to, to the movie world Ooh. and all of that. But um, uh, I found my way um, because the most of the team, especially Barbara, who was always Barbara Windsor, always first in uh, to work in the mornings at Pinewood. And uh, we were, of course, filming in the Sahara Desert, Camber Sands in March, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> the romantic <laughs> image of it all. Uh, but she was always first in morning nitty, um, cup of tea, love, you know. And so I did have a comfort blanket. But... It took a while, uh, and then after one take, uh, Kenneth Williams came and gave me a kiss on my cheek, and I thought, oh, I've been accepted, which was lovely, because the longer it goes on since they were made, the more respect I have for the job that they all did. Mm. The fact that they've sustained all these years, and each new generation embraces those little films, you know, they were all done in six weeks each. So oh, yeah. it was uh, Gerald Thomas really treated them like um, an army. Um, you know, everything was scheduled out to the minute detail. So a wonderful learning curve. Mm. Yeah. Well, and now I think probably in 
for me, I first remember you with the magician oh, David, David Nixon, Nixon. Who, I, oh. I don't know, I suppose younger people don't remember him, but that he was a massive star and that was, you know, prime time television. Seven years those, on those Thames shows. Television yeah. every Monday. Uh, it's a long time to not only work with someone but to admire and, and again, because... Um, I was initiated into the magic circle. <laughs> oh, well, did you have to be so that you swear, kept a secrecy, swear yes. secrecy to all the tracks? Um, he was a charming gentleman and so talented. Mm. Uh, and um, people that don't didn't know him, as you said, his his persona on the television screen was very warm and, and, gentle, and gentle and kind. And mm. um, but it belied the skill of the magician. And the skill, he was a superb chess player. He was also um, a great, he, he could take a, a grandfather clock apart and put it together again. He, he had that kind of mechanical mm. brain, you know. So he worked out his own tricks, presumably. Uh, uh, yes, and he was... and Ali Bongo, who was his assistant. Me- yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, his um, father-in-law was a musician orchestrator called Eric Robinson and between them they invented something called the Mellotron which became the keyboard so his inventiveness was always there mm. you know and yeah. to be around that it's really exciting so I suppose well, you, you've done one woman shows yeah. haven't you mm-hmm. so you've been continuing all this time singing yeah. but to, sort of the musical world your first sort of West End musical, was, was Grisabella yes. and Cats, back to the New London Theatre. Yeah, so maybe, exactly. You it began was with huge, your audition. Yes. But, um, yeah, so was that? did that feel odd to go to the kind of West End musical scene after your television career and all of that? Uh, odd wouldn't be the word. Uh, delight. And um, the theatre had been transported into... The world for cats. John Napier's design for the set and Cameron had really um, taken that theatre and made it into, obviously, with the feeling that hopefully it was going to have a long run. Um, uh, I'm quite and, right about which, that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and again, um, the craftsmanship that went into that show, and I, uh, they, I had Trevor Nunn all to myself for two weeks. Uh, with the arm, anybody that knows Trevor, the arm around the shoulder means that you, you're allowed in, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> and uh, we talked about, he said, we must find your Grisabella. We've had Elaine and had Marty, and now you're taking, you've got to find your own Grisabella. And like what we're working on now, it's wonderful to be able to be allowed, if you like, because you're stepping into somebody else's shoes. Um to be allowed to find that something. Yeah, for you. Ju- yeah. 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 And you've done, now, Principal Boy, Panto, <laughs> lots of times. I, uh, yeah, yes, yes. No sign of all of that. Um, and, and, and Principal Boy, obviously, played by a woman, which, yep. and some of that doesn't happen anymore. I know there are some places where they really stick rigidly to the... Very few now, actually. But Windsor, I think, always does. But or did anyway. Don't know if it's it, still it's does, uh, it's part of the transition of life and what is the persona. Um, the very first Peter Pan was a, a lady called Nina Busico in 1921, and uh, that was the first boy girl 
kind of image. But it's, uh, it's, um, it's something that is in a way a shame that there's a part of the old British vaudeville music hall culture that has now left the, the theatre culture for here, for, the, for Britain. Um, I uh, took on the role of Vesta Tilly, who was the first mm -hmm. male impersonator, Burlington Bertie. Uh, and um, I guess it, it's a sign of um, me being over 21, but uh, I, I miss that flamboyant um, uh, use of uh, Shakespeare, use boys playing girls, you know, mm -hmm. One mustn't lose that al allowing uh, actors to be any gender or anything, mm. you know. And uh, so in a way, part of Panto has gone, but other things take over and other types of music take yeah. things over. I you suppose know? these so things we, have to we, develop we go, and go with change. What's happening. And, yeah, yeah. 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 So now here we are in Cabaret. Yeah. Bill Kenwright's production, yeah. playing not Sally Bowles, but Fraulein Schneider. Yeah. You do get to sing, actually, one of my favourite songs in the show, which is Married. I love that. Have it's you rehearsed that one yet? You've only done three days of rehearsal. We have, we have. <laughs> I'm still looking at words at certain things. And you've so, had, as you say, an incredibly long marriage because you met your husband years, years ago. 46 years we've 46 been married. Years. Yeah, God bless Little you. Little round of applause. Yeah, thank you so thank much. You. <laughs> What's the secret of that? Love. <laughs> Is it? Oh, that's sweet. See, everyone always says, oh, being patient and not, you know, oh, listening no, and all that. You no. just say love, which yeah. actually is what it's all about, yeah, isn't it? That's absolutely. so sweet. Yes. Yeah. Um, now, the show, Cabaret has some really dark moments, and I kind of, it's interesting to think of it now in terms of the political climate that we yes. are now living yes. in. Is it, inter it must be interesting to be in something that, that actually feels quite relevant to today's... There is that. Uh, it, it catches and encapsulates the rumbling of fear uh, and the uh, overwhelming um, uh, performance of... The, there is this Kit Kat club where it is very run down and very... But they, they keep the music going. It's a pretense that life is normal or life is wonderful, mm. a bit like the 1920s with the Charleston. It's, it's a German, German thing. Um, so you've got this incredible energy with the music, uh, but then underneath, as you say, this rumbling that of fear running through. It's, uh, oh, as you say, a very dark piece mm. um, with some huge emotional scenes. Uh, and, uh, oh, gosh... It's it's um, we are finding it's a wonderful cast, uh, lovely John Partridge, um, playing the MC. Mm. I mean, he's just brilliant. Um, we did MasterChef together. Mm. <laughs> we did the, oh, so the anti road trip together. Right. Oh. <laughs> so it's really back to the drawing board with this. Um, but I, I, it's a delight to see him working. And uh, then a new young star, yeah, Cara Lily Hayworth, who we, we've had on our podcast Have because you? she, when she was Scylla. playing Scylla, yeah, which she did phenomenally. I actually didn't see it, but I can now seeing her. And yesterday she sang, uh, maybe this time, oh, mm. she's going to bring the house down. 
absolutely glorious voice, but also just so real and delightful. Absolutely. It's going to be quite something. I'm very excited. And is it the yeah. Bob Fosse choreography in the traditional yes, way? It or, yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, we haven't actually met the whole company yet. Oh, because you're only three days into rehearsal. Exactly, but doing the what we call bedding down the the, the scenes first, and uh, then then we get the whole company in next week. Uh, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you're going all over the country with this tour. Yep. Uh, yes, you've got a list. Here we go. See, you've got a list of where you're going. You can just pick out. Do you want to pick well, out? Well, your, we, op- we open in Bromley. 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 <laughs> you're opening Bromley. Um, Bromley, Wolverhampton, uh, Nottingham, Crawley, Chester, Dublin, Belfast, Leicester, Shrewsbury, Hull, Edinburgh, Aberdeen, and on. Right. Malvern, okay. Yeah. Uh, that that doesn't sound too like going up, down, up, down, up, down. Which are the places that you are particularly looking forward to visiting? You can go back to your list now. Whoa. Um, well, because it's a big show and a big set, uh, they're mostly big, beautiful British theatres. It, it's a wonderful thing to arrive at a theatre and just embrace it and uh, most of them are just still, they've been kept beautifully and are just glorious. I, I'm just an old hoofer, really. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a part in a musical that you've always longed to do, that you'd love to do now? I've always longed to be Dolly in Hello, Have Dolly. You? Yes, yeah. just uh, kind of natural really. Uh, however, um, hi, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, you might choose something from Hello, Dolly, but is there one song that if you could stand up in the Palladium or somewhere or the Albert Hall from a show and choose to sing? Well, there's one song that I, I do um, in all of my concerts because it's so beautiful and the lyrics are so beautiful written by Leslie Brickers uh, from Goodbye, Mr. Chips. And it's, um, it's called You and I. And I just, when I'm with an audience and we've had a whole evening together, and I just say uh, thank you for sharing and this, this time making the effort to come to the theatre and we all meet here. Uh, so this is a moment of you and I, and it's, you and I will travel far together, we'll pursue our little star together, we'll be happy as we are together, we may never get to heaven, but it's heaven, at least to try, it's just, it's just something bringing everybody together, you know. Oh, that sounds uh, Well lovely. done, Leslie Brickus. Yeah. Thank you. How lovely. Mm. Anita Harris, thank you so much for oh, coming in. Thank you. We can have cake now. <laughs> lovely. <laughs> That was Anita Harris, and if you'd like to hear more of my podcasts, we'll go to magic.co.uk forward slash podcasts. You probably already did, actually, to get this one, but there's a whole lot of back catalogue ones there. Have a, have a listen, and pick out your favourite names, and enjoy. Enjoy.